Dear people, it's so good to be home. Home? Never see that guy, yeah? Hey, listen, we come at unexpected times, don't we? Just to check up on you folk. Dale, how are you doing, brother? Good. It is good to be here. Never expected to be here today. Marilyn wishes she were here, but she had some commitments at our home church, South Boston Bible Church. Let me give you just a little quick rundown as to how we're connected to the church. I was raised in South America. My parents were missionaries there. After graduating from high school there, Don, am I looking at Don right here? Lehman? Bill, Bill. Bill Lehman. I'll tell you, is it ever good to see you? Oh my. After graduating, my parents put me on a plane and came back to Grand Rapids, didn't know what was up. They had enrolled me at Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music, and uh, there I learned to become an American. There I learned to be on my own, encouraged by godly men and women at the school, going to school with, with Bill and others. And it was after our graduation uh, that Marilyn and I returned to Bolivia as missionaries. And on furlough, we would uh, be invited to the missionary, um, what they call it, uh, round robin conferences. And it happened to be that we were invited to come out to this church at one of those times. Russell Kaufman was the pastor. And uh, it was since that time that we have maintained uh, a, a relationship with the church. But I understand that in 81, a few years ago, in 81, this church took us on as the, your missionaries. And I'll tell you that relationship has been a wonderful relationship blessed by God. We retired in 2010. I was serving as uh, chaplain in Florida at our uh, retirement center. And uh, coming up here, we again uh, adjusted to some changes. And uh, one of those changes was support. Uh, a number of churches that supported us have in their constitution that once a missionary uh, retires, then uh, the support is cut, but not with Byron Center. You folks still continue to support us. And one thing that I wanted to make sure this morning was to thank you folk for being faithful. I know that the numbers are down this morning. It doesn't look down to me. But uh, I just want to tell you folk that you folk have been a blessing. And, uh, and I want to encourage you folk to don't ignore 
Don't forget the importance of fellowshipping together. Because your ministry of a church is not just here in Byron Center. It's not just here to individuals who have their homes and families. Byron Center is reaching out around the world. Andy and Kathleen, Paul and Marilyn, and many others. And if it wasn't for you folk maintaining the custom of getting together and living together as a church, you would not be supporting those ministries. And uh, how, important, how important it is that we forsake not the gathering of ourselves together. While I'm making some introductory remarks, I want to put out a plea. Dale and I are members of an organization called New Creations Prison Ministries. We serve on a team that goes into Ionia, and tomorrow night we are going to be up there again. We meet with 10 students. We're taking them through a 26-week course. We're on, on week number 25, and the following week we're going to have graduation. I'll tell you, dear people, it is a ministry that I never expected would be so enriching. There isn't a week that the team doesn't leave that prison high-stepping for joy and thankfulness for the opportunity to reach in to those who are unreached. Many of those men have lost hope. Many of those men have been cut from their families. Many of those men have no contact with the outside. Many of those men have lived most of their lives in prison. And when we come along, we bring a little bit of light. We bring hope and we share with them the word of God, that living word that changes lives. We started that course with these 10 guys 25 weeks ago. We didn't know each other at that time. But now, we have become friends. Why am I bringing this up? Since COVID, it uh, has been slow for us to get back into the prisons. And uh, I am responsible for a team that goes up to Carson City. We just heard from the chaplain that in two months they hope to be able to accept us and allow us back in. You know what, dear people? I'm the only one on that team thus far. We usually have three or four men that go up. My plea, Tim, others that might be here, guys, I want to challenge you. Help us out. Help us out. You do not have to be a Bible student. You do not have to be a doctor. You do not have to be a theologian. You need to be somebody that is walking with the Lord and cares about others. I would like to see others join Dale and myself in this ministry. 
Presently, we're going into Egler and Jackson. We're also uh, going into Bellamy Creek and Ionia. That just started last week. And uh, we're so thankful that uh, we have a team that goes into Huron Valley, Ypsilanti, with the ladies there. And God is blessing this ministry. And we need laborers. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers. What does somebody do when they're called to fill the pulpit at the last minute unexpectedly? You know, normally I share what the Lord is doing in my heart during those days. Marilyn and I make it a habit to have our devotions. We've been reading a schedule, a book, a Bible through the Bible in a year. So we separately read the same portions each day. And we find that God prepares our hearts for what God has planned for us that day. And the message I want to give this morning came from that particular source. God has a way of knowing. God has a way of preparing our hearts for opportunities. I was at the gas pump the other day in Costco. And uh, I followed a car up to the pump ahead of me and I was behind him. And he was from Wisconsin. And uh, we had a chance to chat there and I says, uh, well, I see that you're from out of state. And uh, I said, welcome to Michigan. I trust that you're having a good time. Who am I to welcome anybody to Michigan? It'd be Bolivia, if anything. And he looked at the license on the front of my car, and it has a Bolivian flag on it. And you? Oh, my. The door opened right up. I'm a missionary. I love the Lord. What about you? Just fantastic. Fantastic. Thursday, I found, we found ourselves in Syracuse, or Elkhart, Indiana, for a baptismal. Three of our grandchildren were being baptized, three of 20. We met in a Spanish-speaking church. <laughs> What a blessing. What a blessing to see God building his church, not only in Byron Center, but around the world. The Ayure people. Oh, we've had uh, mission groups come from here. Allison, where are you? Hey, they're back row. So far, I can't even see you. Hi, Allison. Allison is one of many teenagers, young people that uh, form groups that come down with Mike and Sarah. What a blessing. And you know what? Those Ayure people, once a month, get together to meet with other Ayure churches to worship God. And when they're in their respective villages, they're going, God is building his church. It started out 
it started out with five men from a Baptist church in Saginaw, Michigan that responded to a challenge that a representative from New Tribes Mission gave in that church. Those men and their wives and their kids packed up and went to Bolivia. While arriving in Bolivia at the capital city, they learned of the Ayure people, who at that time were nomadic savages, wandering through the jungle like your coon, like your deer do here. Those men felt led to try to make contact with those nomadic people who were afraid of the civilized people. And those men in went in, and they made contact. But God allowed an arrow to come and lodge in the back of one of those guys. They left that campground and started down the trail, sat on the log, and prayed and committed themselves to the Lord. They were ambushed. Nine or five people from Michigan gave their lives. That was the beginning of reaching the Ayurveda people. Some years later, Paul and Marilyn Guess went there, raised their three kids there, learned their language, lived with them, loved them, in practical ways shared with them. And today I'm here to tell you that because of your prayers, because of your support, the Ayurveda Church exists today. In fact, one of those elders of the church, I was able to share this there in Elkhart on Thursday, one of the elders, Eve Mai, baptized our oldest son. What a story. What, a, what an exciting thing it is to walk with God. You know what? Can any of us count on what's going to happen tomorrow? Do you know what's going to happen this afternoon? Pastor Ron didn't expect to be in the hospital. He expected to be right here. My, how we need to be ready to give an account of our lives, of our testimony, of what God has done in our lives, and leave the rest to him. Hmm? The title of my message this morning, by the way, where are the clocks around here? You poor people, no clocks. Oh, I do see something on the screen there. Tim, did you just put that up? Okay. The title is Love One Another, followed with a question, why? Why? Why are you folk here? Is it because, like we've already said, uh, the Bible tells us not to forsake the gathering of ourselves? Or have you come to worship God and learn more of him? Maybe you've come as a guest to find out what's going on. 
Maybe someone from this church said a kind word, demonstrated in a practical way, in maybe the checkout line, some courtesy, some respect. And you left such an impression on that dear individual that he or she needed to come out and check things out. Maybe you're here because you're discouraged. Maybe your family, maybe your relationship with your wife is not going well. Dear people, I'm glad you're here. And I trust that the thoughts that I share this morning will be a blessing to you. Love is already evident in this church. Marilyn and I have sensed it. And so why in the world bring a message concerning love? Why be reminded again to love one another. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to John chapter 13. And I want to read uh, from verse 18 to 35. John chapter 13, verse 18. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scriptures may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you, before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. They are, they are celebrating the Lord's Supper. And Jesus begins to tell them things that are disturbing talking about choosing one. Now I tell you, 19, now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. What a beautiful relationship. Hmm. To know God to be sent of God, to be cared by God. 21, and when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Ooh, sobering words. Jesus was already troubled. He knew what was waiting for him. He knew why he had come. He knew that there were some troubled waters ahead of them. And here he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter, therefore, 
beckon to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spoke. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop. When I have dipped it, and when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. This is a piece of bread that traditionally was put into some dressing, some uh, uh, flavoring. And uh, in verse 27, And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus, Then said Jesus unto him, What thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spoke this unto him. In 26, he did identify Judas Iscariot. 29, for some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, where I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you, this is the point I want to make, dear people. 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye, shall, that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one for another. Do you get the picture? Here Jesus is sharing with his disciples some disturbing news. He is telling his disciples that one of them was going to betray him. They didn't know who. Judas was identified. And from then on, the disciples began to be also troubled and confused. What's going on here? Are we losing control? And it was interesting as I was reading this in my personal devotion that Jesus did not tell his disciples, well, guys, I'm going to be gone. You aren't going to be able to depend on me for everything. I'm not going to be able to feed you. I'm not going to be able to do miracles for you here. I'm going to be gone. And in the same breath, he said, not only am I going to leave you, but things are going to get rough. You are going to be persecuted. You are going to suffer for my name's sake. And it was interesting to me to note that Jesus did not at this time say, guys, be on guard. It might be good if you carried a weapon or go into hiding, or maybe you should leave Jerusalem because people have turned against me. 
and they're going to turn against you. But no, what did Jesus tell his disciples? He says, a new commandment I give unto you, love one another. And that left me thinking, that left me pondering, what is Jesus trying to tell us here? He is basically trying to say that there's nothing more powerful than love. He is trying to help the disciples see the broadness, the, the influence that love has in such a mighty way, in practical ways. We are commanded to love one another. It is our identification to the world. And then the third point, this is God's way to get us through difficult times. This thing of commanding. Jesus did not say, I suggest, or let me recommend, or maybe I have an idea. If you feel like it, love one another. No. He commanded, this is a must, that we love one another. John 15, 12 and 17 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Christ first loved us. It's not an option. You and I, as Christians, have been commanded to love one another. Now, for some people, it's easy. Or to love certain people, it's easy. But guess what? You know what? We are different. Wasn't it um, one of our teammates, Richard, uh, told us the other day when we were there in Ionia about if it wasn't for people, we wouldn't have any problems. How true that is. But in light of the context that we've just seen, Jesus is telling his disciples that things are going to get rough and that they needed to put into practice this law. Love one another. Because you're going to have to care for each other like never before. You are going to go through some difficult times that are going to even test you. Love identifies us to the world, not riches, not color, or knowledge. We read in 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. 1 Corinthians 13, what is love? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does, now, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. That's love. Endures all things sees the good in others, encourages, builds up. 
But then the third point is that this is God's way to get us through difficult times. Difficulties can be described in many ways. Pastor Ron. He's facing some things that he wasn't prepared or that he wasn't expecting. In fact, I think that things were going pretty, pretty nicely for him. Now what? And I find that most problems, most difficulties come from an attitude of pride that feels like I am right and you're wrong. I dress better than you do, but you know, I know more than you. Who is right? Wars have started over that question. Who is right? I have been given the responsibility to oversee the addition to our fellowship hall there at South Boston Bible Church. And uh, before we even started, I asked some of the old timers there uh, just where the boundary was. And everybody said it's the fence line that ran from this row of trees all the way across here to this other row. There was even barbed wire in the tree and so on. The main post down on the road was right there, right in line. So the architect made the plans out. And to avoid any discrepancy, we built the building 10 feet within our property. It really went well. It's done. But one particular day, the owner of the field across the fence had prearranged with a surveying company to come and check out the boundary. The boundary back in the good old days was the fence. But now according to the satellite, the coordinates were not the fence. In fact, it stood in the way of one of the corners of the building, the northeast corner. When the owner found that out and his wife in particular said, tell him to tear it down. You know, as a board, we had several options. One was to take it to court because we felt like we had a leg to stand on. There is an understanding, there is a law that supports those old fences. Long before there were satellites. There's also a law that says if you maintain a particular section for over 15 years, on your side of the fence, it's as good as yours. 
That was one option. But as a board, we looked at Bob Keatsman as one who needed to know the Lord. And to bring it to court would just make matters worse. It would take a lot of money. I was up there at the site and I noticed this couple walking across the parking lot. I stepped out of the building and I says, good afternoon, can I help you guys? Didn't know him. I didn't think I knew him. The gentleman turned around and sure enough it was Bob. He had come to drive stakes where the satellite coordinates were. I looked at him and I said, Bob, I don't know if you know the story, but as a board, we did everything we could to avoid any problems. We were told that the fan, okay. Besides Bob, we want to make a difference in this community as a church. Bob, I want to be able to look at you in the eye any time of the day and be able to say, how can I help you? And in that particular conversation, and the lady was not his wife, but was a, a daughter who had helped Bob in other problems causing the, uh, concerning the boundaries in other properties. And I says, her name was Bobby. I said, Bobby, I've been looking forward to meeting you. She's a veterinarian. And you know, that conversation ended with both of them saying, it's going to work out. The building is still up. We're using the building. There's been no bulldozers appearing. Why? Because the powerful, powerful tool of love was demonstrated and it made a difference. Dear people, I don't like to say it, but the Bible says that things are going to get rough for you and for me as Christians. One of the hardest things that Jesus faced in that whole situation was to be betrayed. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to give years of my life to serve a people that were ungrateful. 
I know what it's like to be misunderstood. It's not easy. Jesus during this time was troubled. The disciples were troubled. Peter was also going to be tested. And the Lord said, Peter, I have news for you. Before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. What? I'm not going to deny you. I am going to follow you right down to my dying day. Peter, you're going to need the love and support of others. Is our nation not going down the tubes spiritually? Some of these liberal ideas, some of these humanistic ideas just blow my mind. How far have we gotten? So much so that now churches are being scrutinized, pastors are being scrutinized. The truth of the living word is being questioned. Are you ready? Are you ready? And I want to say this morning that what Jesus wants to hear from you are his words. Love one another. Care for each other. Dear people, we love you. But God loves you even more. Learn to walk with him. Learn to trust him. Love is a mighty force. Love your enemies. Love those that persecute you. Love those who betray you. I dare you. May God bless you.